Yay! Do, 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 do. It's nice to hear your face on the line. Oh, you too. <laughs> I always like how your face sounds. <laughs> Yours sounds like sunshine. Oh, it feels like sunshine right now too, because I'm sunburnt. <laughs> All to hell and back. So sunburned. Oh my yeah. god, I do not envy that. No, it's, I mean, I guess I should have known since I really haven't been in the sun at all, but, you know, I know how my body reacts to SPF 50 and SPF 70, and it usually does pretty good. I was, like, in the water for 20 minutes, just chatting away, and I came back and I was like, oh, I guess I should reapply, and then I went out in the water again, and then an hour and a half later, I was like, oh, what did I do? Mm, (laughs) What happened? I I mean, I'm... I'm a nutcase, but whatever. It works for me. I do not go, during the summer, I do not go into the water before, like, 4 p.m. Yeah. (laughs) We did that the night before. We swam late at night, or late in the afternoon, and it was great i love it when the it's like um like super cloudy (laughs) everybody's gone home yes (laughs) right right and the water is warmer because it's soaked up all the sunshine from the day and the sharks are getting ready to feed which is great (laughs) (laughs) yeah apparently (laughs) sharks are like there's small sharks in the um uh, uh uh where was i ocean city maryland area um common but they're supposed to not be super dangerous but they're still sharks there's still um, sharks. tons of tons of hermit crabs are you familiar with hermit crabs i mean i used to have at least one yeah no my bad sorry i know what a <laughs> tiny hermit crab is i meant a horseshoe crab yes oh my god those little tanks yes yeah, so there were lots and lots of those. Thankfully, like, no encounters with them. But I heard some little kid behind me was like, ah, I just stepped on a horse crab. And then I saw one as a wave, like, threw me up on the shore. It did that with another, with a horseshoe crab, too. And I was like, that could have gone in my eye. Oh, God. <laughs> so here's a fun little, here's a fun little story. Uh, my very first student film uh, that I ever did for like SVA or NYU or whatever, um, or it might have even been like the New York Film Academy. Nice. <laughs> and the very first student film that I did right out of college uh, was uh, by a Japanese filmmaker, and he was making a film about horseshoe crabs, and I was his protagonist. And the story managed to also be fat phobic and fucking weird as hell. But oh, good! I, I I liked this filmmaker. He was really sweet. The whole team was really sweet, and I was very young. And what we were shooting was uh, my character leaping into the ocean trying to drown herself because she's fat and isn't life as a fat person the worst. Cool. But <laughs> we went to it, uh what the hell was it? Um Shepherd Beach? Shepherd I don't know. In Brooklyn, like near Brighton Beach. Um sure. uh Sheepshead <laughs> Bay. Maybe near Sheepshead Bay. That's um, a place. That is a place. Shepherd Beach, sure. <laughs> um, <laughs> Sheepshead Bay, Brighton Beach. It was out there in Brooklyn. And we went to the, we went to, we had to, oh, God, that's right. We couldn't drive to the beach. We had to walk one by one through a marsh, through these tall grasses to this uh, isolated beach location. It was maybe November um, so it was cold and gross. Part of part of what we shot was also me walking shoeless on the BQE. Oh, <laughs> uh huh. Great, great, great. Uh huh. Yeah, of all the places to not have shoes, <laughs> um, all in this very not great sundress. Uh, um long maxi sundress it was brown from old navy it looked horrible on me oh man (laughs) it was awful so we we shot that and then we walked through this marsh for nine million years until we got to the shore and at that particular point on the atlantic uh there's just a gabillion dead horseshoe crabs 
No! They're just all dead. They, you, you can't find any of them alive. And they are everywhere. Gah, I don't like that at all. But the plot of his film was about a horseshoe crab. Or it was about, like, the spirit of a horseshoe crab. I The plot oh, was like, a little loose. <laughs> like Jonathan Livingston horseshoe crab. <laughs> <laughs> Jonathan Livingston, colon, horseshoe crab samurai. <laughs> <laughs> okay, sure. The, Why not? It w- I mean, that was closer to the conceit of the film than not. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it must have been a metaphor, right? Yes. It was hard to remember, but basically there were just a shit ton of dead horseshoe crabs. The beach smelled terrible. Wow. It was Student so film. cold. I looked awful. I then had to plunge myself into the Atlantic, but like the questionable waters of the Atlantic. Uh-huh. And yeah, it was the just... The questionable waters oof. of the Atlantic. <laughs> so, um, yeah, oh, that dub, was... Dub, dub. Which actually might be a fairly good intro story to what we're going to talk about today. Oddly, because I was just like, let me tell you my weird shit about horseshoe crab. (laughs) (laughs) (sighs) Fuck buddies. It's great to hear you today. It's great to hug your ears today. I'm Jen Ponton. I'm Lillian Bustle. And this is all the fucks, but you know that. You know, yeah, you know so. that we're your resident, uh, real vulnerable, real earnest, real tender, real mushy, gushy, cathartic, fucking, Ooh. uh, uh, feely feels, super like nauseating feels. We're your resident mm. storytellers of the mortifying yes. and, uh, touching and just, you know, generally ridiculous as well. Yes. If your heart, <laughs> if your heart feels a little bit like, a stuffed mushroom. <laughs> What's a stuffed mushroom? Is it stuffed with crab? <laughs> sure. Yes. Uh, appropriate. Yes. Maryland season. crab. Maryland crab stuffed mushroom. <laughs> if, if, if it's sort of like, you know that um, if you're walking on a playground and the ground is really soft <laughs> and you're like, for a second, you're like, maybe I'm going to fall in through some quicksand here. <laughs> I always, by the way, enjoy that meme that's like, all of the entertainment of the 80s and 90s led us to believe that quicksand would be a much more prevalent part of our lives. Yes! I just saw that the other day. Yes. <laughs> it's so true. Yeah. Uh, yeah, that and, wait, was it Eric Andre? I just heard a comedian talk about this where it was like, also, um, safes falling on your head. Oh. Mm-hmm. <laughs> falling off a cliff. For sure. Yep. Pianos, mm. mm-hmm. building a railroad track underneath you as you continue to go off a cliff, and then realizing, and then looking up at the camera before your body falls, and then your head falls after it. Yeah, it's it's. Cr- you know, when I was younger, I actually thought I asked my mom. I said, "How how do I get my legs to turn into a circle when I run?" <laughs> <laughs> oh my like god! That is the cutest fucking shit I've ever heard. And of course she was like, I'll tell you when you're older. <laughs> what if Marsha actually knew? Oh. <laughs> uh, she's full of secrets. She, she was. My God. <laughs> uh, hooray. So, um, horseshoe crabs. Mm. Not only appropriate for your recent lovely vacation, uh, also appropriate to what we are going to jam on a little bit today, which is um, seeing yourself reflected in the stories that you take in. Yes. Um, as As per society's bullshit, in 2000, what would have been? In 2007? Maybe it mm-hmm. was. I think 2007. In 2007, it was totally normal to see a script where the only possible thing that could happen to a fat female character was that she would want to kill herself because she was fat. <laughs> oh, yeah. I, I told you that somebody wanted me for a similar movie, yeah? Uh, maybe a million years ago, but I want to hear it right now because yeah, I don't so this recall was, this. This was a, it was a short student film 
And it was, I think it was like a whole bunch of people either contemplating suicide or sad. So like, way to tell that story. Um, But my character was going to eat a table full of food, strip naked, and then kill herself in the tub. (gasps) Fuck. And I replied because I was starting to get braver about stuff and it was like um, full nudity. And I was like, well, let me check this out. And then when I submitted, the director actually called and was like, this is sensitive and this is blah, 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 blah. And they told me and I was like, "Uh, no, no, (laughs) no, I'm not doing that. All I could think of was uh, Marissa Jarrett Winokur getting stuck in the doggy door. In the scary movie movies, have you oh, have you seen that? No, yeah, I probably like she did. can't yeah, get yeah. all the way through the doggy door because her butt's too big, and then the and the garage door goes up, and that's how she fucking dies. Oh. I remember sitting and watching that in the movie theater and wanting to disappear. Oh god, just wanting to just like crawl in my own doggy door and get cut in half by, <laughs> by yeah. a haunted garage door. Um. And I, of course, though, I, I considered it for a second. And if it hadn't involved total nudity, like if I was going to do, I knew if I was going to do something naked, I wanted it to be really good. Yes. And it just didn't sure. sound really good. No. Like that was when I was, I had been jockeying for that um, Bridget Berlin role in that wacky Andy Warhol show that turned out to be directed by the fireman who abducted that lady. Well, he wasn't a real fireman. I remember pieces of this, but hearing it yeah. like distilled, like. <laughs> Our first five years in New York was stories like oh this. Oh my god! It was like, oh, do you remember that one puppeteer where I had to take a three-hour bus ride to go to his warehouse in BFE, and then there was no heat, and then he yelled at me. Oh my god! <laughs> but <laughs> um, yeah, uh, I worked for a similar guy, by the way. It wasn't. Oh. It wasn't with puppetry. I worked for a really sweet guy and did puppetry. God, it feels like a million years ago. Sure. It can't I can't believe that this much time has passed because it was maybe 2008. This was 12 fucking years ago. But also in like 2008, I worked for a man who um he would write he would write like school assembly shows. Um, okay. <laughs> right? That sounds like the best racket. Why aren't oh. we doing that? Oh, yes. Um, he would write school assembly shows from oh, his God. home, and they were always about HIV awareness because he was HIV positive. Okay. So um, he, it seemed like a really good thing. And, you know, I saw the breakdown, and I did the audition, and I landed the lead role, which was similarly a sad, fat girl. Uh. And I was like, whatever, but hey, great money. I get to do this around schools, so it's like constant work, and it's whatever, you know, it's school budget, whatever that's worth. So, but rehearsals were out in bugfuck Brooklyn. (laughs) I mean, like, what the hell train did we have to take to get there? The, the J. The, oh, maybe. <laughs> there actually I think you're right. There was a very short period of time where I did only have to get on the J and I was like, what oh. the hell is this? I think you're a thousand percent correct. Um and I think that one's like one of the tiny short trains. <laughs> so weird. It's so weird. Because not enough people need to go there <laughs> to no. do anything. And it was very residential. It was actually a super beautiful area of Brooklyn. It was Ditmas Park. Oh, nice. But um uh, but we would rehearse out there, and, like, the way that the houses are there, they're all these beautiful, like, Victorian homes that then also have, like, carriage houses attached. Oh, so nice. So we weren't allowed in his beautiful home. He would make the actors go into the carriage house, which had no insulation and no heat, and that Cute. was how we would learn and rehearse and blah, 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 blah. And um, he... And, and he, he was like, I'll set up a space heater. But the space heater kept over, um, kept blowing its fuse. So uh-huh. eventually he's like, I can't turn it on anymore. And we're all like, um, we can't. It was winter. We're like, we can't be out here. Are you insane? And he's What's like, well, you can't, I can't bring you inside. And eventually we won. And he's like, fine, but we're, we, 
uh, you can only go in the basement. So he took us down to the basement instead, as if this all was not enough of a cautionary tale, right? Like you were a bunch of wet dogs. (laughs) (laughs) Stay off the furniture. Yes. Aw, Nana wants to come inside. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. So we rehearsed the show. And it was, uh, I mean, it was brutal because not only did he behave that way, but he was also, something was going on mentally. He was, he had a really strange temper and was very erratic and Mm -hmm. really nasty um, and manipulative and like maybe something around borderline. Um, And and Mm -hmm. he was just very, very unpleasant to work with. But that's tons of theater directors. Like you get used to that. Even some of my teachers... In college, mm-hmm. had such terrible tempers or just were impo- like my music uh, choir director in high school. I got you. I got used to thinking, especially men, that like creative mm. types were just bonkers. And that if you wanted to get ahead anywhere, that you had to be used and abused by God, people. Right? Which is why like people like Harvey Weinstein. Like if mm-hmm. I thought about that, if I felt like coming out of like a nothing high school in in nowheresville and then in a very small liberal arts college and then going to new york where everyone's trying to fuck you over every second of every day like why wouldn't you can't even uh, trust like elmo a, no no you can't you Elmo's definitely can't trust elmo. nope nope that jackhole um <laughs> Yeah, yeah. So I, uh, over and over, but uh, I think we're getting ahead of ourselves just a little bit. Um, Talking about, like, seeing ourselves represented either in fiction or nonfiction. Ha, ha, ha. Hilarious, (laughs) that one. Um, That if that wasn't, like, uh, headless fatties on the news when they're talking about obesity. Um, For sure. I I remember, um, oh, and she, and she, like, just holding on to anyone who looked remotely chubby even if i knew that that it wasn't like a fat person but in the 80s there was constantly a chubby friend who was like the fat friend but who wasn't actually fat um mini driver in uh circle of friends i don't know if you've seen this she has enormous titties this is how you met chris o'donnell right yeah no i have never seen this film uh it's very sweet but there's like there's, like, jokes about how she's bigger than all of her friends. And I'm like, she's, like, maybe a size 12 in this movie. What are you doing? Um, it's even uh, surprising that she was that, uh, that, that she probably put on weight for that role at that size. I don't remember. It's been That's so long. That's crazy. But, I yeah, right. I remember her boobs real, real big, but she looked great. Anyway, um, uh, I, I was struggling for who was – okay, cool. Well, this is great because if I can't even come up with her name on Facts of Life, Natalie. Um, Natalie, yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, she was kind of like it right. <laughs> growing up, where I was like, "Whoop!" Oh, because she was youngish, and people didn't. She was nerdy, and people didn't shy away from her, and they didn't really make fun of her that much. But she was just definitely supposed to be the fat one. Mm-hmm. Oh yes. But she could hold her own. Like, she was snarky as hell. She didn't put up with anybody's garbage. And she wasn't, like, mooning over boys all the time. She was just doing her own thing. Um, I remember, um, oh, Fat Albert was a big part of my childhood. Uh, That's a fun person to be compared to. Really? (laughs) Fuck. Yeah, I would get on the bus and people would go, hey, hey, hey. And I'd be like, all right. Come on. Um, uh, or, or Chunk. Chunk from the Goonies. Yep. People asking me to do the truffle shuffle. That of was always course. fun. Uh, yeah. I. And yet, and yet, n- none of this made me think I couldn't be an actor. I think it did make me feel like I couldn't be on TV mm-hmm. for some reason. Um but I, there was I never had a question in my mind that I was going to be a performer. It did it all of it made it made being a kid like after I saw Goonies, I actually had a couple of cute little um uh what are they called? I'm having a hard time with nouns today. H- Hawaiian shirts. I was like a Honolulu shirt, you know, a Honolulu shirt. A Hawaiian <laughs> shirt that after I saw Goonies, I was like, "Well, I can't wear that again." Yeah, right. Right. Oh, come on. <laughs> ruined it for us completely mm-hmm. um yeah I, I i looked up fat characters in the 80s and what i'm getting is 
guys. Right. All guys. Right. That becomes more the crux of what I felt I was allowed to be. Like. Yeah. I was very confused as to why my body did not look like that of my peers. I was concerned that all of a sudden I wasn't conforming to what was expected of me. Mm -hmm. And I definitely internalized that it was wrong and bad and gross and all of those things. And like, as my parents tried desperately to diet me down and exercise me down and it didn't do anything because this is my fucking body. Mm -hmm. It I felt like I wasn't allowed to exist. No. Like there was not a place for me. And when I saw it reflected for men and boys more willingly, I was like, maybe that's what I'm supposed to be. Ugh. I was yeah, just I born. I think wrong. I did that too. Yeah. Um and So I went into I went into jeans and t shirts almost exclusively. Yeah. And I started really thinking of myself. And, like, it would be inappropriate for me to say that I was that I was a tomboy because I wasn't. I still had this whole, you know, like, very femme, very snuggly personality. Um, never was into a lot of very boyish things. But I kind of felt like... I kind of felt like I just needed to feel like a boy in so many ways because sure. that was the only way that I would be allowed to exist. Right. Yeah, Augustus Gloop, uh, I think of Vern from um, Stand By Me, which I need to rewatch. I love that movie. Mm. Um, I, as far as fat girls, though, like, I, I'm hard-pressed to come up with anything. They were like annoying neighbor girls and they were slightly round-faced girls. Right. Um, but uh, like... The less thin person. Um, But Tracy Turnblad was the first character that I really saw who was happy. Right. (laughs) Right. Happy and cute and doing her own thing and also being a rebel. Like, she was like, I'm going to bleach my hair and I'm going to go dance and Mm -hmm. I'm going to do all of this stuff. And I deserve Um, to be on TV. Right. I deserve to move my body in a fun way. I know I'm the shit. I know I'm a good dancer. Yeah, and then Ricky Lake had a talk show. Right. Uh, Very affirming. Awesome. Yes. I'm sure I could come up with more, but it, it, ju- it just keeps coming back to, like, the punchline or the kid who's always eating donuts. Um, and uh, and then I think I had mentioned with you one time before when I – oh, oh, the book Blubber. I think Judy Bloom. Mm-hmm. I found no solace in that book. I, th- no. I want to say, I think an adult gave me that book. Of course they did. And probably had not read it. Mm-hmm. God. I felt that way when I read Wally Lamb's She's Come Undone. <gasps> Thank you. Oh, God. I could fight about this book till the end of the goddamn earth. Thankfully, People? I did not read it as a child. I oh. found it on a stack of books. I... N- I was in my first apartment, so I was, like, at least 23, 22. might have been 22. But, um, yeah, I found it in, like, a book bin, and I was like, oh, cool. And I paid, like, a quarter for it, and I read it, and I'm like, what is this bullshit? <laughs> like, it was on Oprah's book club. I think that I so think I read dumb. it when I was, like, 16. And I was like, this is complete nonsense. Uh, it was awful. Absolutely awful. Yeah. And I'm glad that I had the sense to know that at that point, even though I had not yet come into my own embodiment of myself you know yeah good good for you i um i knew that it was bullshit but it made a lot more sense when i was like oh this is a man who doesn't know anything about anything Mm -hmm. (laughs) how dare how very dare god um but people it was on oprah's book club list like people i know people today to this day all I remember from that was her being sad and there was something about how her sister had called her a lesbian and she was like, well, the way she said it, I knew it had to be a bad thing, but then I decided that that's what I was. And I was like, what is it? What? I'm sorry. What is any of this? And how her mom would like steal her jeans and hide them. Ugh. Oh, God. <laughs> uh. 
but it, it but that said anytime i read a book that had a heroine who i kind of related to um like madeline langle books i felt like i could really sort of fall into without thinking too hard about what the protagonists looked like mm-hmm. however if you had asked me to describe them i wouldn't have said that they looked like me no never and very sadly I don't know if you can relate to this or, you know, other fat listeners uh, tuning in, but, like, mm, the default protagonist for anything ever in my head is never a fat person. Right. And it really sucks that I do the work that I do and that I focus on it as much as I do, and yet the unconscious bias will always be, well, of course... It's a thin person. Yeah. It fucking blows. And Lillian Russell, who she was definitely weight cycling her entire life, but she was a light opera star at the turn of the last century um, who hung out with Diamond Jim Brady and she was a touring performer and she went all over the place. And every picture that you see of her, even though she's in different, she's at different weights all the time, her face is round, her arms are round. And I don't think I've seen a picture of her anywhere where she's smaller than what looks like a size, today's size 10. Mm. Um, But definitely up to to a much larger size. Mm. I mentioned in a previous episode that I was able to actually go to the Performing Arts Library and I found a card that had her measurements for whatever the year Oh, shit! <laughs> she must have said that, like, talk to somebody in a magazine interview. Um, but yeah, if you go through the like, card catalog there, I found it there. And she was considered the American beauty at the time. She was the, the like, the one, one of the world's most beautiful women and she was this operatic soprano and, like, how scandalous that she wore tights on her big, beautiful legs all the time. And I just fell in love with her of course you did that wasn't like a complete paradigm shift but that was the first time that i was like oh we're just erasing people Uh (laughs) uh-huh of course we are yeah yeah i mean i know i know that history has been erasing people but i never it's easier to think that people like you just never existed than to think that (laughs) right it's why i guess i'm an alien yay yup I absolutely adore this account. And you guys, if you're on Instagram, please give it a look or a follow or whatever. Whether you're fat or not, it's rad to be exposed to this, okay? So it is... Okay, the account is Historical Fat People. Woohoo! On Instagram? On Instagram. Yo, yo. I am following it right now. And it's pictures and videos... Uh, from the news, from personal archives, from the 1800s, from the early 1900s, from, um, from, like, uh, editorial cartoons. Oh, you shared this one of Audre Lorde the other day. Mm, I did. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, oh, how fun. I'm gonna make, maybe I'll make an alert for this one. Oh, it's real good. It's real good. Um, It's just, it's great because you, whether you're looking for them or not, you never see these things. You never see these images. You never see the presence of what amounts to 68% of the population. Um, It's not recorded because it's not valued. And Mm -hmm. so to see that real life has always had fat people of all walks genders, back uh, uh, backgrounds. Um, it's very important. It's an important asset to your visual diet. Um, and if you are fat, to be um, to be reminded that you're not an anomaly. Fat bodies are normal. Yeah, <laughs> they are normal. The same way that there are tall people and there are short people. There are fat people and there are thin people. And one is not worse than the other. And all of the... There's just so much money to be made off of convincing people that it is bad. Sure. That's ultimately... um, So anytime you want to get lost in, but what about... But this study, but but this panel of... Doctors, yes, remember that a lot of money goes in, is protected 
by convincing you to hate your body. Sure. A lot. Well, and now, and it wasn't until there was this whole shift in, like, oh, wait, wait, wait. Oh, I guess we can make money off of <laughs> of fat people liking themselves, too. <laughs> no, all right. Right. Uh-huh. The companies like Dove were like, oh, I guess this is what we're doing now. <laughs> Only hire fat girls. <laughs> Man. Shut it down. This is what they want. Exactly. Gosh, I wish I wish that we had had anywhere near the representation when I was younger. I I mean, yeah. this makes me want to like write a young adult book about a happy fat girl. I mean, uh, the and the person who is doing that that I see the most, whom I absolutely adore, is Julie Murphy. Yes, you've talked about her. That's I great. love Julie Murphy, and she just I'll plug her. Um, she just was hired uh, to write the prequel to Faith from the Valiant <gasps> comic universe. Really? Mm-hmm. And so she just released this week her book, um, her YA book, Faith Takes Flight. And it's about a teenage Faith. She's queer. She's fat. She's coming into her powers. And um, I, I'm just so excited. And my friend and yours, Joy Nash, uh, recorded the audiobook. So it's just filled with fat girls. Filled oh. with delightful fat girls. That's so <laughs> great. Um, I was looking at Julie's Instagram, which is E N D I M J U L I E. And there's a picture of her from high school where she's wearing little plastic barrettes in her hair and one of those Papa Bead plastic necklaces. And yes. she's wearing a shirt that looks like Dairy Queen, but it says Drama Queen. And <laughs> this, yes. Yes. this is representation. Like, this was For me. real. One hundred percent, like stupid candy, ne- not stupid, but like kids' necklaces, like yeah. whatever, like kitschy, um, yeah, stuff that adults would be like, "Why are you trying to dress like a child?" Right, uh, shit, you could buy at Claire's, <laughs> yes, or the Dollar Tree, for that matter. <laughs> oh yeah, Joy Nash, Faith is taking flight. Oh, Joy looks beautiful. Um, I fucking love Joy. That's one of the reasons why I just kind of threw up my hands at some point with casting because like Shakespeare when I moved up here like I'm finally aging into fatter roles which is fine um but there was no chance that I was going to be cast as a like a female Shakespearean ingenue of any sort which is insane um uh, and so I told myself I didn't like Shakespeare I mean now I think I don't actually don't like Shakespeare but (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> I did talk myself out of it. I was like, one way or the other, this is not for me. So goodbye. Um, yeah. Yes. I mean, and I, I also believe for 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 a million reasons. Um, I do believe in continuing to appreciate the work that is a bajillion years old and was so formative and is good. However, I also think that times are changing and we naturally have biases when it comes to who should look like what doing this role. And so you end up doing the same fucking play with the same looking motherfuckers for 400 years. Yep. (laughs) And the same bullshit goes for guys and dolls and Bye Bye Birdie and uh, Kiss Me Kate and like anything that is seen with the uh, loving eyes of nostalgia and uh, and being a classic, like there's a lot of shit in there that is not meant for today, right? And we need to be okay with letting that go, and we also need to be okay with spending more money trying to find the people today who have <laughs> who have the skills. Like, they're Rogers and Hammerstein are dead. So I used to do a podcast with the fabulous Liza Poor called The Bomb Podcast. Hello, Liza. <laughs> um, sh- we, one of the last episodes that we did last year was with a writer uh, and performer named Kristen Bartlett. And um, <gasps> yes. B-A-R-T-L-E-T-T. She has co-written great stuff with Ashley and Nicole Black. Um, mm-hmm. She was a writer on Samantha Bee. She's written for Saturday Night Live. She wrote and performed for UCB. The show that she did with her now real life husband called The Dead Dads Club is 
lovely and that it's two larger bodied people who are just dealing with life and it's not about them being fat it's about like loss and relationships right Right. and uh, i got chills watching it because especially i never felt like i fit in at ucb either to see to see two people who were thriving in that environment um, and producing their own stuff and writing their own stuff that was so touching. Um, anyway, she's awesome. And I, she was hinting about something that she was under a, a non-disclosure agreement about. So Ooh. I feel like I should check back in with her and see if she can disclose now. Yeah, she's rocking and rolling. I'm excited mm-hmm. for that. That's amazing. Can you think of anything currently? Um, well, I mean, you have your finger on the pulse of all kinds of larger bodied performers. Uh, just inherently because of the way you pay attention to roles that are coming up. Right. Um, And I wonder if there's anything specifically in the last three or four years that you were like, oh, yeah, that's it. Um, Well, it's interesting because I'd like to take – I would like to step a little bit into, obviously, almost everyone we have mentioned is white and fat. Mm -hmm. And there is so much – intersection with fat phobia and anti-blackness um there's an entire book about it called fearing the black body that walks back to the origin of fat phobia meaning that fatness exemplified blackness it was the opposite of puritanical white um you know the 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 perfection of restriction mm-hmm. and all the, all of the ways that size inherently because of that bullshit all the ways that size um infers someone's work ethic someone's sex drive someone's lack of restraint in their life oh, sure. um, and all of that is used as anti-black sentiment oh yeah it has nothing to do with white bodies, but um, but the way that it is reflected on fat white people confers a little bit of that racist energy. Sure. And, um, and I don't think it would be fair to say that... Um, I don't think it would be fair to say that black culture is not fat phobic because that would be denying the effect that white supremacy has on black culture um, and on anyone growing up under its thumb. Sure. Um, But I would say that it's really important to remember for all of us that especially black femmes have been ahead of the curve forever and ever and ever I think when it comes to embracing a larger body in general, right down to the fact that before there was really ever a white, fat, female romantic lead, there was Queen Latifah. I was just about to say. Mm-hmm. Queen Latifah um, and Missy Elliott were definitely on my radar Missy, young. Um, Kim, Jill Scott, yes, Kim Coles. Queen Latifah, Monique. I know there are other women. Sure. Um, the only person who I can remember growing up would have been Nell Carter. Yeah. And she was everywhere and she was unapologetic, but she, once again, I, I would not have brought up any of these people in this specific do I see myself represented. Right. Right. Because, a thousand percent. Yeah. I, I was definitely looking for... A cute, a cute, round, optimistic, <laughs> yeah. young person. Right. Um, right. And, and so, yeah. like, uh, what's-her-face that played Mimi on Drew Carey saw mm-hmm. her, but, like, didn't even clock her. Oh, no. She was basically... <laughs> I mean, that. that character was meant to be a monster. Yeah, absolutely. Ugh. And seeing Queen Latifah, that was very exciting for me. But I would, but I do think it's the youth element for sure. And before, and I still think people like Amber Riley and Raven Simone, Raven Simone, um, when she was in her late teens and early twenties, and she was doing a lot of work for Disney. Like Raven has always been 
in a larger body and I know there are times that she's tried to not be um there was even a show that she did called the the great state the great state of Georgia just the state of Georgia one of those there was a and it and it was it was um it was by Jennifer Weiner who writes all of um who wrote like good in bed and in her shoes and she always writes um usually Jewish fat female protagonists cool I like Jennifer Weiner she's great um and she wrote this show about a young woman from Georgia who was fat and fabulous and talented and confident and believed in herself and was okay maybe a little bit too overzealous but it wasn't in that normal buffoon way that we see reflected sure (laughs) (laughs) and raven was on board to play her and the whole idea was that she was supposed to be plus sized but um raven lost weight and the show didn't go anywhere because it wasn't saying what it was supposed to say right um but yeah even even seeing raven's body in the early aughts and the late 90s as a slightly softer thicker body than i ever saw a white girl allowed to be on tv was was like what the hell are we doing (laughs) yeah i see that there is room but I just, I just want to acknowledge that as with everything that we are currently culturally exploring, yes, black folks have been there for a long time, way, way, way before white people ever got on the bandwagon. And, um, and I've, I've just always seen black culture reflect that diversity of, of bodies more rapidly I mean, it's really only taken off at all in in culture at large in the last, like, 10 years. Right. There was really nothing worthwhile well, and, to speak of. And this is that. horrendous, but it's something that I have I really shaped my growing up. Uh, my mom didn't let me watch too much black stuff. Mm-hmm. And if you if you asked her, like, that's what she would say. I had to choose, like, I couldn't watch Live in Color and The Cosby Show in mm-hmm. the same night. She was like, nope, you that's have gross. to pick one. And if there was any sort of movie that was, like, a mostly black cast, anything, anything like that, she would be like, ugh. Yeah. I know. I know. <sighs> and I know that there are... No, I'm not even going to make an excuse for it. I understand why she was like that. It doesn't make it right, and it and it, the fact that she would dampen my interest in it. Right, I'm sure shaped shaped how I looked for entertainment. Sure, of course, and of course. it's consciously not at all what I do now. Right. Oh man, I love Monique. <laughs> right, she's, she's so incredible rad. and so <laughs> rad, so talented. Oh, God, she wrecked me in Precious, too. Gabby Sidibe! Gabby Sidibe! Oh, yeah, man, she's oh, great. Man, oh, man! She's great, and she's hilarious, too. For, so for someone who, you know, for, for someone who whose breakout role was playing a million different shades of what what is sort of perverted in white supremacy about black culture right so like Mm -hmm. unstable home abusive father um fat not taken care of like all of these things that white supremacy paints black culture to be um i think as a young woman who played that role so beautifully to see her kind of like just exquisitely explode as this icon and as someone who is very much um working for fat representation in in all ways and definitely working for dark-skinned black representation in all ways and like doing fucking sex scenes on empire just boldly yeah man that's some hot stuff (laughs) yeah yeah she did like she doesn't give a fuck. No, and I love it. 
And I love it. It's great. But yeah, I mean, um, I think it's I think it's appropriate to it's appropriate to see it with the lens of just how anti-black fat phobia is to then go back and say, okay, this is why only white men are allowed to look like this in entertainment. Sure. This is what made every single vision board I ever had full of (laughs) funny, fat, white guys. But... That is what uh, I think it's I think it's just very 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 important especially as we continue this conversation in the current climate. Um I think it's really important to see just how much uh the suppression of being of it being okay to be fat and white and a girl comes from anti-blackness. Yeah. Absolutely. And And this, I will say, even up to, I think the first time I started having conversations with this was maybe six or seven years ago. Um, Let's say seven. And it was through a group of uh, bigger body burlesque performers that I'm um, in on Facebook. And Mm. uh, at the time, there were people who were very generous with their uh, emotional labor to just point me through a couple of things because I swear to God at the time... If you Googled anything like uh, anti-fatness evolving from racism or anything, anything like that, anything like do people hate fat people because they hate black people, there was nothing. There were no sources. And these folks pointed me to actual books and Mm -hmm. pointed me to people to follow on Twitter. Um, Like it was not even in the uh, the zeitgeist enough for it to be a, a, a commonly Googled term. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then after I saw it, I was like, oh. Oh, of course. <laughs> right? And all of the qualities that then are passed down to, well, just for shits and giggles, say white, because white automatically has privilege, Right. All of that, all of what that then confers to white fat bodies, especially females, being seen as disposable, being seen as medically uh, unworthy of care, being seen as um, impenetrable and without pain or real feelings, like there's never any real empathy because you dehumanize a fat body. You don't. You 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 actually just call them monsters or animals or things, and that right. that's how most of white supremacist society works. Mm-hmm. It's yeah, fucked. as soon as you can strip someone of their humanity, then you can do whatever you want to them, and right. and other people will follow you. Right, right, <sighs> especially when you see your body as morally superior. Um, oh yeah, yeah. So Oof, it's, this got heavy. I know, I know. It's just, um, it's just, imp- it's just important, and it's important yeah. to acknowledge that, like, yes, this is where it comes from. This is why it's so fucked. Even when, tw- even when sixty-eight percent of the nation is the equivalent of a size fourteen or sixteen or larger, here's where it comes from. Here's why right. we're not changing with the times because it's way more convenient to be really fucking racist. And I I also just want to acknowledge all of the black women and femmes who did see themselves reflected and who in living in a in a world that is not kind to them um to at least have people that they can look to that validate the size and shape and softness of their body. Yeah. And how good that is. And I want that for, I want that for everybody. And I definitely, I, I remember Rebel Wilson. Um, I, I became part of this conversation unknowingly. Rebel Wilson tweeted before her rom-com came out last year. Rebel Wilson tweeted, like, blah, 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 super excited. I'm the first plus-size love interest. What? And black Twitter was immediately like, um, no, 
Stop It Right Now, and they basically gave a full filmography. Queen That's Latifah, just... Monique, um, and they started bringing up uh, Tracy Turnblad, of course. Jesus, that's just embarrassing. And they started bringing up me. And I was like, what's Ooh. this? Oh, shit. Oh, hello. <laughs> like, was this recent when she did that one where it, like, it was all a dream that she was the love interest? Yeah. This was in the last couple of years? Yeah, yes, she can go yes. fuck herself. I got, I got, I don't hate Rebel. I don't hate anyone, but she does not represent me either. So, like, Marissa mm. Jarrett Winoker, when I saw her in those, the scary movies, I was like, well, there is a fat person. But again, like, if you're, if you are, I also, for a long time, really resented any actor who was taking a job, do, like, creating more problems for me but I realize now that everybody takes roles like that for different reasons and I understand that when you're like this feels like the obvious way to get more work yeah yeah uh, but it's um, hard to to feel reflected when so many of them especially who originate something iconic mm-hmm. uh, like Jennifer Hudson as Effie like or even just from American Idol period right Jennifer right. Hudson Adele Mm-hmm. Um, uh, uh, Melissa Jarrett Winoker, um, who, uh, uh, Rebel Wilson too, Rebel Wilson, um, when, when these individuals, and it is totally their prerogative, I believe in body autonomy when it goes both ways, uh, you can do whatever the fuck you want with your body. I just really hope you're not doing it out of diet culture. Right. And, um... And so when people in when people who you imagine are part of the great cultural undoing uh, decide to change their body into a shape that is more compliant with society, mm-hmm. um, that's very disheartening, especially when they then become the face or voice or whatever of a diet company. Sure. It's also one of the things that I find the the saddest, like the most heartbreaking about Oprah. Here is this woman who any of us would, I mean, just like bask in her glory. She's an incredible heart, humanitarian leader, philanthropist, entertainer, artist. I, I mean, she's she's Oprah, and yet. This and yet, is the same woman who's and, been fighting her body yeah. for 40 years. Yeah, and bread. Bread is her nemesis. That's and like her, ar- her, nemesis. her arch arch enemy is bread. You're, I God, mean, I wish she was running for president and not Kanye. Oh, my God. Mm-hmm. I mean, I also, she could also run for president. It's not like, it, I'm not switching her out, but I'm just mean, if a random celebrity was going to run. Right, right, right. Right, if it was going to just come out of nowhere. Yes, yes. And that is so disheartening because, again, Oprah is another perfect example of, she's like the most powerful woman in the world. And she yeah. is a fat black woman. Mm-hmm. And there is no reason that she should fight her body. Mm-hmm. She's Oprah. I know. She's Oprah. But I yeah, mean, I, lo- I love. I um, love. I think it's Lindy West's quote in the um, Fatitude movie, where she's like, mm. if, if "Oprah can't do this. How am I supposed to figure it out?" Yeah. <laughs> yes. Who do you Who do you think I think I am? Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. Uh, I um. I do. I'm. I enjoy the fact that we, as a, a society, are kind of. At least a little bit more consciously coming together to to amplify voices and to point out wonderful people who are marginalized and doing amazing things. Mm-hmm. Yes, me too. I mean, I really, I do feel like, I do feel like this is, I hope, culturally a turning point. I mean, I don't think we're going to just collectively decide and then it's going to be fixed. Obviously not. <laughs> But some people think so. The same oh. people who think the virus is over. Oh god. <laughs> There's a lot of those. Um interestingly enough just quick back to like um intersectionality. Uh the documentary Disclosure on Netflix right now um about Hollywood's dis- depiction of trans people uh is fully fascinating and it is also 
really, really the only, uh, maybe they talked about another trans man, but the only, only one that pops out to me is Chaz Bono. Um, and it's amazing to me how little trans men are seen and reflected in um, pop culture at all. Oh, yeah. Uh, right. And and Chaz was talking about how was like, do I really want to go on Dancing with the Stars? I mean, mm-hmm. if it's gonna make someone else's life easier and it's fun for me, like, of course I'm gonna do this. Right. Um, and uh, also, also is wonderful that he's out there kicking ass because I know a lot of even gender fluid folks who are their aim is to present as male. The rounder you are the harder it is to Mm. find uh, a shape that makes you feel more masculine. Sure. Oh, twists and turns, my friend. Hmm. Feelings. So Um, many stuffed mushrooms. I I think we should end this one with what we want to see. Hmm. So here's what I want to see. I want to see fat black women not just upholding some white characters nonsense mm-hmm. I will tell you right now there's a show out by people I love which makes Uh-oh. it harder where there is a delightful rad fat black woman as a series regular think Lizzo I mean okay. that was undoubtedly in the casting breakdown Yeah, think Lizzo her entire character arc over several episodes Mm-mm. is almost aside from little one-offs where she's like I need to go live my life the only thing we ever see her doing is being completely in the business of the thin white female lead oh good right so I would like to see fat black female characters who are not only there to uphold a plot line for a white person. Mm-hmm. I want to see these people living their own lives and maybe having some overlap because they're friends. However, no one should only be the second banana. Yeah. <laughs> I'm ready the for sassy, people. The sassy oh, second banana. Exactly. A thousand Let's see some breakdowns that don't have sassy in there with plus size Uh or whatever they're trying to say fat with. A thousand percent. African-American plus size Mm -hmm. female. Mm -hmm. Sassy, but smart. Loves her best friend. I would love to see, I mean, any more representation of Native American folks. Oh, Um, God. But especially... Larger bodied Native American folks. Mm-hmm. Um, Janish meeting. What up? Love I you, girl. love Jana. Oh, she's She's so supposed great. to have some stuff in the can, too. Yes, she is. She just got off a show, uh, writing a show with Mike Schur. That's right. One of my favorite humans. Oh. Mm-hmm. I've checked out for so long. I'm ready to check back in. Is that okay with you, Jen? Can I can I join society mm-hmm. and start paying attention to pop oh, culture? yes, you sure can. Okay. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Welcome back. <laughs> wow. It's been a minute. I also want to see queer storylines that don't end in tragedy. Ugh. I want to see queer characters of all kinds of queerness falling in love and not only pining after straight people and not only dying and not mm-hmm. only being, you know, the queer person who does not have uh, anyone interested in them. Right. Or or having it be <laughs> the sassy queer friend, um, or or mm. having it be uh, like such a um, ha- having it be special at all. One of my I was just talking yeah. about Schitt's Creek and about how um, David's character, like we assume he's gay, and then he hooks up with Stevie, and then later he's like, oh no, I've been with girls before, I'm pansexual, and then there's right. a joke about pots and pans or something. Um, mm-hmm, but mm-hmm. like yeah. the fact that. Like, we don't even really ever come back to that, right? Right. It's right. just like they had this moment together and it was lovely. And then it was over. And it wasn't like, oh, well, is he really gay? Or like, mm-hmm. there was nothing. It was, this is who I am and this is what I just did because I like this person. Right. Wouldn't that be amazing? It would. <laughs> I would like that very much. Oh, um, I will say, uh, again, 
uh, yeah, no, it's kind of diverse. Sex, the sex education show mm-hmm. um, did a really nice job, I thought, of completely normalizing all kinds of um, sexual orientations and, uh, I mean, discoveries. And, um, of course, since it's a show that's specifically about sex therapy, one would hope that it would do that. But I thought that they did a good job of it because that could have been very easy to fuck up. Oh, for sure. You got to go in knowing what you're doing. Mm, But do you? (laughs) (laughs) You should. Oh, there's that word again. Mm. (laughs) Should. Well, I don't. What else do I even want? I don't know. I, I want people to be able to tell their stories. larger body people other body people of all kinds to be able to tell their stories without having whatever their otherness is be the center of the story because it's not people don't wake up every single day and be like here is my story about using a wheelchair people don't wake up every day and like here's my story about uh being deaf like it's a deaf Mm -hmm. person who has a life and it's Mm -hmm. a fully fleshed life with all kinds of people I've ranted about this before, but I, it's still not happening. But so. still, yes, it's still important. Um, also, big, 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 big deal. Uh, the representation of any kind of abilities. Um, we have we we have a wonderful interview coming out in the <gasps> next month or so with um, with writer Kia Brown, yes. who is just such a badass. Um, she is a sweet little charming. Cutie Pixie, who happens to have cerebral palsy, and um, and her big movement is hashtag cute and disabled, and it's like we it's great. we never see that journey for a disabled person. It's very rarely not a white guy in a wheelchair, right. and it's all people from all walks, all different kinds of disabilities, all ethnicities, all genders, all intersections, and it's not necessarily a sad story about them dying. Can we please? Can we please? I mean... But yeah. Jen, the pathos. Think of the pathos. <sighs> I get enough pathos. <laughs> so do you. That's why we yeah. have this podcast. <laughs> <laughs> that sticky, sweaty pathos. <laughs> Um, and I want to see a million things, but I also really want to see any kind of, anytime we do historical reenactments, can we just acknowledge that we know what whitewashed history looks Uh, like? And if that means we reimagine famous people as people with different ethnic backgrounds or different genders, then great, let's do that. Can we not just paint the same picture over and over and over and over again until we all die from right. a nuclear explosion? Yes. And <laughs> to that credit, I like I love uh, drunk history for that. Oh yes. Oh, that's Although, a real fun. Sad that too. we have to look at it for a, like a comedy I show know. about people shit faced uh, <laughs> to right, be like, right, right. oh, what good representation mm-hmm. in history? Mm-hmm. Shoot. All right, Shoo. good, uh, good game, good game, good pun. game. Yeah, that was a pretty good one. I don't know. We haven't like uh, we haven't talked politics too much of late. Yeah, and you, uh, of all the people who can dig into body politics, you and I are not not too shabby. Thank um, you. Guys, a reminder that fucking Jersey is up and running. If you're looking forward to hearing the episodes, you they will not come to this feed. You have to separately go to the fucking Jersey podcast, okay? Um, fucking is spelled as I say it without a G at the end. <laughs> <laughs> we have so much good shit coming your way. Fucking Jersey! Um, fucking Jersey! Bam, 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 bam. Um, and, you know, it's not going to be the kind of tender, ooey-gooey stuff that we talk about here, but it is really crazy, wild stories. So it's like we just distilled all the bizarre shit that we talk about here, and we put it over there. And it'll still be bizarre over here. It just won't be Jersey-centric. Right. Um, find fucking Jersey. Yeah. Go like, subscribe, listen, etc. Um, wouldn't hurt for us to have some comments uh, and whatever you do on Apple that I don't understand. Yeah. If you listen to us, <laughs> co- 
interact with us. Like if you've listened to like two or three episodes and you're like, those folks are really good. If you rate, review, subscribe, um, uh, especially if you rate and review, I believe it helps other people find us. This is good talk. (laughs) Good talk. Good talk. (laughs) All right, fuck buddies. Let us know. Oh, wait. Let me, I do have a recommendation just in general. I've been having a hell of a time playing the Jackbox games. I love them Oh, my God. They're so great. It's super fun. If you're feeling like, oh, and you know even three other people in the whole world who are fairly funny, spend some time on that just giggling your stupid faces off make fart jokes for a couple hours it's so, so it great guys bringing people together <laughs> it was my birthday last week and yes. uh and Lillian surprised me by setting up this zoom game um and and this site jackbox.tv we had the greatest time. We were laughing our asses off. Yeah. And I would do it literally any moment. So anytime you feel like you want to play games, you just let me know. <laughs> yes. Yay. Especially now since the, apparently the Cards Against Humanity guy is an asshole. Oh, a thousand percent. Also done with that. T- tired of it. Just fucking tired. <laughs> Everything's exhausting. I hope you guys are hanging in there. That's right. Be safe. Wear your masks. Please, please, please don't. Um, Keep your fucking droplets off of other people. <laughs> yes, and also it's supposed to be airborne, so just be careful. Be careful and um, take care of yourselves. So what we're and saying is be careful of the air. <laughs> cool? This Are we cool with that? 2020. <laughs> <laughs> okay, goodbye. Bye. <laughs>